Job chapter 8 tonight. Job chapter 8. Make sure that's working there. Get a little more volume on that, maybe, so I don't have to yell so much. That would be good. All right, Job chapter 8. If you find your place in your Bible there, Job chapter 8, would you look at verse 1? I'm going to read the first six verses for us just to kind of get started. Job chapter 8, verse 1. Can you give me a little more volume on that, please? Verse 1, Then then answered Bildad the Shuhite, and said, How long wilt thou speak these things, and how long shall the words of thy mouth be like a strong wind? Doth God pervert judgment, or doth the Almighty pervert justice? If thy children have sinned against him, and he have cast them away for their transgression... If thou wouldest seek unto God betimes, and make thy supplication to the Almighty, if thou wert pure and upright, surely now he would awake for thee, and make the habitation of thy righteousness prosperous. Father, would you bless your word tonight? Give us, uh, just illuminate your word by your Holy Spirit. Apply it tonight, that uh, we be more conformed to the image of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. If you remember from last week, Eliphaz had attacked the character of Job and blamed all of his problems on this, this elusive hidden sin that, uh, that Job said, I don't know where it is. I, I know what sin is. I can taste it in my mouth and I don't see any sin at all. And Eliphaz kept going on saying, listen, if you just think, get things right with God, that uh, God would bless you again. And so Job had proven in his own mind that there was nothing that Eliphaz had said that was even accurate. So since there was nothing accurate in Eliphaz's words, Job went on just to go right back to where he started and said, let me die. I just want to die. I just want to be gone from this life. Well, tonight we are introduced to Bildad. Bildad. I was thinking of the person of Bildad and the the way he addresses Job and it made me. It made me think of this. It was an old uh, story, I guess it was. Uh, there was a a lady who was at home. Her family was gone, but a lady was at home, and this was a long time ago. When remember telegrams? When telegrams would come, and uh, the doorbell rang, and she opened the door, and there was a, a man there with a telegram, and she says, "Oh, would you sing this for me?" And he goes, "Oh, ma'am, no." No, I, I, I can't sing this. She goes, oh, please. I have always wanted a singing telegram. Would you sing this for me? And he just kept saying, oh, no, ma'am, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And she said, please, would you sing it for me? And he goes, all right. Dun, 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 dun. Charlie and the kids are dead. Charlie and the kids are dead. No, no, that wasn't really, you know, that wasn't a really good singing telegram, was it? Charlie and the he, he was trying to tell her that, yeah, her husband and kids had passed away. And you think, why on earth did that, did that come to your mind? Well, there's almost always a right way or a wrong way to say almost everything. There's almost always, I should say, a wrong way to say everything. Bildad is wonderful at saying some things the wrong way. 
Okay? I hope you're following here. I hope you're tracking with me tonight. I know this. Let me say it this way. Bildad didn't read Dale Carnegie's book on how to win friends and influence people. That was actually a pretty good book, actually. Anybody ever read that book? Not a bad book. I was kind of leery of it. It was pretty good. Yeah. Bildad didn't read it. He didn't know about it. You see how he opens up here in verses 1 through 6. Look at this, verse 1. Bildad, I mean, then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said, How long wilt thou speak these things? And how long shall the words of thy mouth be like a strong wind? And so he opens right up. And remember Eliphaz, he goes, um, Would it be okay if I say something? And then, of course, he went right on to saying what he wanted to say. Bildad didn't do that. Bildad says, How long are you going to keep talking? How long is your mouth going to keep running? How long are your words going to be like a windbag? You're just a windbag. You see that? You see? Like, look at this. Uh, How long shall the words of the mouth be like a strong wind? Just noise. Just, just no substance whatsoever. Just moving around and making a lot of noise. Now, Eliphaz had a little bit of tact in his accusation last week, right? He might have been maybe a little bit passive-aggressive, but Bildad is just absolutely brutal. He has no mercy whatsoever. You ever know anybody like that? You ever know anybody like that? You, you ever heard this? Well, um, uh, we, we, I, this, my, my, my new boyfriend, I just told him, I'm, I am just all for brutal honesty. We, we want a relationship of brutal honesty. And it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> Right? Some people, they, and they will say things that are just like, man, I don't know if you should have said that. They're just brutal. Brutal. You know? Uh, no tact whatsoever. And if you are brutally honest with them, they don't really like it either, right? Yeah. Well, this is Bildad. <laughs> this is Bildad, all right? Look at verse 3. Doth God pervert judgment? Or did the Almighty pervert justice? Now he's getting rolling here, okay? And in our, I want you to notice something here. Here in verse 3, the word God there. Doth God pervert judgment or doth the Almighty pervert justice? I, I, I want to focus on this just for a second before we move on because it will help us understand really the rest of the book of Job. But that, that word God there, that word God is... is, is is a certain Hebrew word. I'm going to get there in just a moment. But in our day, okay, as we we might give people names that describe uh, their life in some way. Okay, we will give them names. Or say you might say something like this. Somebody may something like this. Well, here comes Roger and Jezebel. <laughs> well, well, you know what they're saying, right? Right, they, or, or maybe this one. Hey, hey, how's it going, Hot Rod? Yeah, my Hot Rod. You know the guy. You know he might have always have some fast car. He's got a driver. He just acts that sort of way, right? We give people names that describe some of their actions. They describe who they are. My uh, one of our daughters told me a while back that she was uh, letting her husband know her opinion on something that had to do with church matters, and her husband responded, "Okay, Derek." Yep. Uh, you know what he was saying, wasn't he? She's, you sound like your dad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so, so here in verse 3, 
the word God. It, we're we're going to see it all through the book of Job. This this well, you're going to see God all through the Bible, obviously. But but the the Hebrew word underneath this word God here, uh, the 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 names of God. There are multiple names of God that describe His actions and abilities as well. Okay, let me give you a few of them. Just I, just a few of them. Jehovah Nissi. Jehovah Nissi means the Lord who heals. You can read this hundred and third Psalm. Who healeth all diseases. Jehovah in Nisi. Nisi describes the action of God who is a healer. Jehovah Jireh. We like this one. When we're in a need. When we have a need that needs supplied. Right? The Lord our provider. It describes what God does. Jehovah Shalom. What is Shalom? Peace. Right? God our peace. So we have these names. These Hebrew names of God. That are all through the Old Testament. That describe who God is and what He does. Well, here in our ver- in our text in verse three, it says that this word God here doth God pervert judgment. That word God there, if you look that up, is the Hebrew word Shaddai, El Shaddai, and that word Shaddai there means all powerful, Almighty God. You'll see this. I'm sorry, the word Almighty there is the word Shaddai. The word God there is El. My apologies. So doth God pervert judgment, does El, God, pervert judgment, or doth the Almighty, Shaddai, pervert justice? Okay? So we see this here, the word Shaddai. That word Shaddai is only used 48 times in the Old Testament. 30 of those times, it's used in the book of Job. Now think about that. Think about that when you when we try to understand the viewpoint of the three friends and the viewpoints of Job concerning their understanding of God. First and foremost in their understanding of God and their ideas of God is that God is all-powerful. He is almighty. Okay, We're going to touch on this later in the book of Job when Job has some revelation in his own life. But so the all, so here's what's going on here. What Bildad starts off with is the all powerful God, the El Shaddai. He doesn't pervert judgment and he doesn't pervert justice. That word pervert there means to bend or to subvert. The word pervert is talking in, in, in the, in the, the tense there. It's speaking of what God doesn't do. He doesn't pervert judgment. God Himself doesn't bend justice. God Himself doesn't subvert judgment. So the the two things that Bildad starts off with here is that God's judgment and justice are are unbendable. See his view of God? His justice is unbendable. And his other view of God is this. God is unbendable. God is unjust. And we like that. And there's aspects of that that is a, that is absolutely correct. And that is true. And that is a, a, a wonderful thing to know of the unchangeable, unbendable God and His justice and His judgment. And, and that's a wonderful thing. And so Bildad is laying this foundation of his view of God for a reason. What's the reason? Well, he's about to attack Job. He's establishing the view of God before he takes you up. Look at verse 4. If thy children have sinned against him, and he have cast them away for their transgression, uh, if thou would seek unto God betimes, that means, uh, betimes means quickly, immediately. I used to think that meant over and over and over again. I had to look it up. It doesn't. It looks like it should mean over and again, but it doesn't. 
It just means quickly. And suddenly, if thou would seek God betimes and make thy supplication to the Almighty, to the El Shaddai, if thou wert pure and upright, surely now he would awake for thee and make the habitation of your righteousness prosper. So, so Bildad opens up with this view of God, of the Almighty, all-powerful God. And he is saying, listen, Job, your kids have sinned. God killed them. But if you were upright and you were just, then God would have prospered you and your end would have been better than your beginning. Ouch. Pretty rough. Yeah, remember Eliphaz? Eliphaz was kind of like, he explained everything like with the elephant in the room. He just didn't want to come out and say it. He explained what he was saying in all sorts of flowery speeches and dreams and scary dreams and things like that. But no, Bildad just says, hey, if you were righteous, God would have blessed you. And so A plus B equals C, right? Job, you're not righteous. This is how Bildad's coming across here. This is his accusation against Job. But I want you to notice here next, we, there's the accusation. Notice his doctrine. We're going to get Bill, a little more of Bildad's doctrine and how he comes to such a conclusion and how he comes to the belief that the righteous only prosper. Now, we looked at this a little bit last week, didn't we? It rains on the just and the unjust. We saw that with what Jesus said over in Matthew 5 and about how God blesses the righteous and the unrighteous. Hey, we, should, we ought to be glad of that. Listen, the, the Bible says that... Uh, the goodness of God leadeth men to repentance, right? And sometimes we kind of wonder why God is being so good to somebody who's so, who's so uh, unworthy about that. And listen, He's good to us when we don't deserve it, right? And sometimes He's drawing in our life and getting people to a place of repentance. But they didn't see this in their mind, in Bildad's mind, only the righteous prosper. And so look at verse 11 and 12, how he comes to this. Look at verse 11. Can the rush grow up without the without mire? Can the flag grow without water? Now this, what he's talking about, the rush here is that marsh rush, the, the papyrus, the, the bulrush that, that you might say, that would grow along the river edges or on the lake waters. They grow in standing or moving water. They're not in dirt and in soil. They're in water. Okay. And he talks about the flags, which is that marshy grass, the, the reed that you talk about. So both of these things have to have standing water. Both of these things have to have water to survive. Unlike the herb, though, okay, look at verse 12. While it is yet in its greenness and not cut down, it withereth before any other herb. So unlike the herb, the herbs, the, those type of things, they're planted in the dirt. They get their moisture from the dirt. They don't have to have a lot of running water. They can survive longer without water. Well, the marsh and the reed, the, the papyrus, it cannot. That water's gone, it's dead. That, the, the papyrus, it soaks up water. It sits in water. It's what they would use to make sandals and baskets and boats. Moses, remember? And the bulrushes, that's what they used. But it has to have water. It has to be there to survive. Look what he goes on to say. Verse 12, While it is yet in its greenest and not cut down, it withereth before any other herb. So are the paths of all that forget God and the hypocrites' hope shall perish, whose hope shall be cut off, and whose, whose trust shall be as a spider's web. So Job is saying, or Bildad is saying here, that those people that forget God, here's his doctrine here, that they're like papyrus, they're like the bulrush, they're going to be cut off, their hope is going to be like the spider's web. You ever, you ever get to a small web and you just go, 
Now, you might walk around doing this for like 15 minutes trying to get it off. I hate that. Walking across the yard and it's like wrapped around your head. Yeah. And then you ever get creeped out thinking that thing might be on it? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But with the papyrus and that rush, the outside can look good. It can look green. But listen, a little bit of sun come on it and soak that water up and it'll die immediately. Look what he says here. It withereth before any other herb. Look at verse 15. He shall lean upon his house, but it shall not stand. He shall hold it fast, but it shall not endure. He is green before the sun. Before the sun gets on it, he's green. And who? Uh, uh, da, 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 da. And his branch shooteth forth in his garden. His roots are wrapped about the heap and seeth the places of stones. If he destroy him from his place, then it shall deny him and say, I have not seen thee. And so... Bildad is telling Job that things can look good on the outside, things can look healthy, things can be right, but when the heat of God's power, when the heat of God and the uh, of God's power hits it, it, it reveals that he can't survive. It reveals that he's dead. And he and he goes on to say here that God doesn't do this to a perfect man. God, the heat of God doesn't affect the perfect man. He can go on and live in spite of the heat. And, and look at verse 22. He says, A wicked man's lifestyle essentially is going to be destroyed. Look at verse 22. And they that hate thee shall be clothed with shame, and the dwelling place of the wicked shall come to naught. You go back up here and you can see some of Bildad's thoughts here. Look at verse eighteen, verse 19. Behold, this is the joy of his way, and out of the earth shall others grow. Behold, God will not cast away a perfect man. You see that? Neither will he help evildoers, till he take thy mouth with laughing, till he fill thy mouth with laughing, and thy lips with rejoicing. So Bildad is convinced that Job is wicked, a wicked man who is essentially being revealed for who he is. Job, you can look good. You can look fine. You, your beginning was wonderful. You had all this wealth. You had all these, uh, the, the, the children, the wealth, the wisdom, and all of these things. But the, the heat of God hit you, and it revealed that you're unrighteous. That's what Bildad's saying. Pretty rough, isn't it? Yeah. And we look back now, and we think, boy, for such unlimited revelation, he really was tough. <laughs> he didn't have a lot, did he? They didn't have much. So here we jump into chapter 9 and we see Job's rebuttal. Alright, Bildad says, Job, you're unrighteous. The judgment of God has proven it. You are unrighteous. Job answers up in verse 2. Look what he says. I know it is of a truth. I know it is so of a truth. But how should man be just with God? It's quite a question, isn't it? He's actually looking back to Bildad back in, uh, back in verse 3 here of chapter 8. Doth God pervert judgment, or doth the Almighty pervert justice? Job says, well, how, 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 can, how should man be just with God? How is that possible? How is that possible? Yeah. I, I just mentioned it. They're operating off limited revelation. Limited revelation. Do you know we're operating off limited revelation also? We only, all, all we are operating off is the revelation that we have. 
God is in God is infinite. God is God is God is eternal. He hasn't revealed to us everything, and I think it is my opinion for the rest of our eternal existence we'll never come to the end of the knowledge of God. Else he would not be eternal. Yeah. So we are operating off the only revelation that we have. And we have all that God wants us to have. So that's good to know. I, I believe that. But when we get up to the point of after the millennial reign, we don't have any revelation after that. We're, we're, we're living in some ways, we're living like the Old Testament saints did. They're waiting for more revelation. They were waiting for more revelation also. And so are we. And we will be there eventually someday. But they are, they are, they are creating images. They are creating thoughts and ideas in their mind of God based upon the revelation that they have. And it's limited. So give them a little slack here. That's all I'm saying, all right? Give them some slack. So Job is going to expound his view of God in relationship to Bildad's statement about God perverting judgment and justice, how he cannot do that. And look at verses 3 through 12. Let's just read these, and I'll just touch on them real quickly. He says, if, if he will contend with him, he cannot answer him of one of a thousand. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength, who hath hardened himself against him and hath, prosper, and, and hath prospered. Which removeth the mountains, and they know not. Which overturneth them in his anger. Which shake the earth out of her place, and the pillars thereof tremble. Which commandeth the sun, and it riseth not, and sealeth up the stars. Which alone spreadeth out the heavens, and treadeth upon the waves of the sea. Which maketh Arcturus, Orion, and Pleiades, and the chambers of the south. I think that's fascinating. They understood the stars. How old, how old, how long, thousands of years out here have we known of Orion and Arcturus and Pleiades. Yeah. Which doth great things past finding out, yea, and wonders without number. Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not. He passeth on also, but I perceive him not. Behold, he taketh away. Who can hinder him? Who will say unto him, What doest thou? So notice this in these verses in verse 4. We see the wisdom and the might of God that Job is talking about. In verse 5 and 6, Job brings up the power of God. In verse 7, he brings up the authority and the control of God. In verses 8 and 10, Job brings up the the visible works of God. And then yet in verse 11, Job talks about the unknowableness of God. How, How much God is unknowable. Verse 12, now he's getting into the unapproachableness of God. How God is unapproachable. And then verse 13, Job gets into the unchangeableness of God. This is Job's view of God. Now notice what Job concludes in verse 13, or verse 14. Look at this. How much less shall I answer him and choose out my words to reason with him? You see what Job's saying, because of this, because of El Shaddai, because of the all-powerful God, who is the creator, who has authority, who, who does works, who is unknowable, who is unapproachable, who is unchangeable, who will not pervert judgment, because of this knowledge of God, how can I reason with this God? He's, unreason, he's unable to be reasoned with. And in verse 15 goes, he says, I wouldn't even approach God to answer him like, like you would in a normal relationship. He said, I would respond to him like a judge. We're getting a pretty interesting view of, God, of, of, of Job's view of God. You see, it's so hard for us to understand this. 
here we are in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we have the scripture that we have and the revelation that we have of God that they didn't have. And to, I, I got thinking about this the other day. You want to think about this. Remember, we were talking about Job at the time of the patriarchs, most likely. Lived most likely maybe up to maybe 200 years old. If you, if you, if you take that, we see that God doubled everything that he had. And he gave him 140 years after all of this. At 70 times 2 is 140. It could, could have put Job at 70 years old at this time. Remember we talked about that? Could have been 60 to 70 years old. He had grown children. They were, they were grown out of the house, all these things. So it puts Job up to maybe the time of the patriarchs. Do you know what was fresh in their mind, the time of the patriarchs? Do you know what overlap was going on? Who was still alive in the time of Abraham, I believe, if I'm not mistaken? Some have wondered who this Melchizedek was if he was not Shem. Remember Shem, Ham, Japheth? The flood? You ever think that maybe it fresh in their mind was, was the judgment of God on the entire world? So the only view they had of God, of the El Shaddai, was Almighty God who brings down judgment and justice on the entire world, and that is all they may have an understanding of who God is, of judgment and justice, of power, I think it's very likely. I mean, it's hard for us to kind of know really totally where Job's coming from. But I think that's very possible. That may be some of the background that they're viewing God through. And he says, I can't even reason with him. If I could approach him, I would approach him as a judge. How do we approach God? We approach him as Father. Do you realize the Old Testament really had no understanding of God as Father until Jesus came? He said, Lord, teach us to pray. Our Father. What? Our Father. Our Father. Yeah, our Father which art in heaven. They didn't, know, they didn't understand this then. And Job is saying here, okay, Bildad, if you're right, watch this, I can't do anything about it. Verse 16, even if I called on God and, and, and God did answer, look at verse 16, I wouldn't believe it. Look at that, verse 16. If I had called and He'd answered me, yet would I not believe that He had hearkened unto my voice. Isn't that weird? He said, even if I could, I wouldn't even believe He, he did answer me. What a chasm between Job and, and a personal relationship with God. We don't get this, do we? So watch this. To Job, to Job, God is not personal. God is God. Some of us in generation, and maybe not as much my generation, maybe the generations before me, grew up with good relationships with their parents. But dad was dad and mom was mom and there was no in-between. Right? Yeah. This is where Job is with God. A little bit bigger than that. <laughs> There's no in-between. There's no in-between. He's going to get into this in a minute. So Job's going to give us his proof of this observation that he has. He's going to prove it now in verses 17 through 24. Let's just read them. For he breaketh me with a tempest, and multiplieth my wounds 
without cause. He will not suffer me to take my breath, but filleth me with bitterness. If I speak of strength, lo, he is strong. And if of judgment, who shall set me a time to plead? If I justify myself, my own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I am perfect, upright, it shall also prove me perverse. Though I were perfect, yet would I not know my soul, I would despise my life. This is one thing, therefore I said it. Ooh, listen to this. He destroyeth the perfect and the wicked. If the scourge slays suddenly, he will laugh at the trial of the innocent. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covereth the faces of the judges thereof. If not, where and who is he? Man. So watch this. Here's what Job said. God is not moved by mortal man. He does what he wants. He does what he wants. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Yes, we not, we understand that. And, and we know that God doeth all things after the counsel of his own will. We understand that. But Job sees God as totally impersonal. Totally impersonal. And there's not a thing he can do about it. It's kind of frightening, isn't it? It's kind of a frightening relationship. I'm stuck in this. I am under the power of this person. There's nothing I can do about it. So what does Job do? He just returns to hopelessness. Verse 25. Now my days are swifter than a post. They flee away. They see no good. They are passed away as the the swift ships, as the eagle that hasteth to the prey. If I say I'll forget my complaint, I'll leave off my heaviness and comfort myself. I am afraid of all my sorrows. I know that thou wilt not hold me innocent. Even if I try to walk away from it, you're going to bring me right back to it. And I'm not going to be, you won't hold me innocent. If I be wicked, why then I, then labor I in vain? If I be, if I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet shalt thou plunge me in the ditch and mine own clothes shall abhor me. For he is not a man as I am that I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Let him take his rod away from me and let not his fear terrify me. Job's terrified of God. Then would I speak and not fear him. Look at this. But it is not so with me. Wow. It's incredible. Job says, why, why, what's the purpose of even cleansing myself? God's going to do whatever He wants to do. I, and, and I don't even have a daysman. We'll look at this here in a minute. If God would remove His rod of correction from me, yeah, I, I would speak without fear, but, but I do. I, I'm in total fear. Now watch this, please. Job has gotten to the place in his life. He has gotten to the place in this, this battered life that he is believing that it does not matter what he does for good. God is going to do what he wants to Job and there's nothing he can do about it. He has gotten to the place of fatalism. Fatalism. I kind of jotted this down in my Bible with a smiley face. Job sounds like a Calvinist. (laughs) 
Pretty bleak, huh? We don't have time to go on. We're going to stop here tonight. Because he goes on to chapter 10. We'll deal with that next. But what has happened so far is Bildad has presented God as an all-powerful God who destroys the wicked and blesses the godly. And there's no changing between. There's no crossover between those. You see, Bildad is using deductive reasoning. But it's from limited revelation, isn't it? He's using deductive reasoning. Now, and, and, and then here we have Job who is answering Bildad from limited revelation as well. God is all-powerful. And Bildad believes that, uh, that God blesses good and curses bad. But Job says, I know that I'm righteous. And so now Job is going to have his own deductive reasoning, which is it doesn't matter if you are good and bad. Or bad. God's going to do whatever He wants, to, whoever He wants, whenever He wants, wherever He wants, and there's nothing I can do about it. See, Job, Job, Job uh, Bildad is saying that God works according to a person's righteousness, and Job says God works according to His own will. I think I said that right. Bildad, yeah, Bildad says, did I say that? I think that's what I said. Bildad says God is working according to His own righteousness. Job says God's working according to his own will. Bildad sees God as a God whose character limits him. Job sees a God whose character frees him to do whatever he wants. Can I tell you tonight, both are right and both are wrong? Is that not a political way to get out of things? I voted for it before I voted against it. Right? Was that John Kerry, I think, right? Yeah. God's holiness does limit him to do what is holy. But God's person, his character, moves him to accomplish in the lives of mankind what was not possible in his justice. Huh? What does that mean? You might say, how, how do we reconcile these two things? God is limited to His holiness. But He's not totally bound by it when He deals with the, in the lives of mankind. Look at verse 2 again, would you please? Chapter 9. He said, if, if he will contend with him, he cannot... Um, sorry, I know that is of a truth, but how should man... Be just with God? You know where the answer is found in Job. How do these two come together? How can God be holy and man be just? Look at verse 33. Here's some limited revelation of Job. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us. Oh, but there is. You know what a daysman is? It's a mediator. It's an intermediary. Look what he says. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Between God and man. Job says there isn't a daysman between. Yes, there is a daysman between us. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. I was going to go to Romans chapter 3, 10 through 26. We don't have time. You can go read that sometime. But we see that. Uh, no, we can't. Just go over there, would you please? I think we can handle this. Romans chapter 3. Listen to... just. I'll read fast. Romans chapter 3. Look at verse 10. 
As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Job understood that. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, and their tongues they have, used, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things Whatsoever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and that all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the law uh, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No man cannot be right with God. Man cannot be just with God, except, look at verse 24, being justified freely by His grace, how? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I love that. Whom God has set before, I'm set forth to be a propitiation uh, through the faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Here it is, verse 26, to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. You know what Bildad and Job couldn't see? They couldn't see who stood between God's justice and man's need. Between God's justice and God's holiness. Between us and God. Which was the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, how does this have to do anything with where Job is tonight? Job is going to later become acquainted with the person of God on a relational level. If you'd listen to me tonight real quickly, and I'm, I'm done here. If you're going through deep valleys tonight, and you are not walking with the Lord Jesus, you will view God like Bildad and Job did. He will be cruel. He will be unknowable. He will be rigid. He will be unapproachable. He will be unmovable. Unconvincible. And worst of all, God will be moving without a purpose. See, Job found no purpose in what God was doing at all. And if you are walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, during the trials, the presence of God will overpower anything you're going through. Yeah. It will make sense and bring together the truth of what Bildad and Job were saying, the power of God in the might of God and everything that He's able to do in man's condition and our relationship with Him. 
the key is, are you walking with the Lord Jesus Christ in the trial that you are going through? Because it's the Lord Jesus that makes sense out of everything that doesn't make sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. You going through a trial? Are you going through a trial tonight? That doesn't make sense. You don't see a purpose in it. You never will. Until later. Maybe not even later. Maybe when you go to heaven. But maybe it doesn't make sense. You don't understand it. You're going through a trial. Get closer to Christ. No, you go through the trials that God allows in your life by getting closer to Jesus, the daysman, the intermediary. He was with the three Hebrew children, wasn't he? Who's that fourth man in the fire? Looks like to be the Son of God. Yeah. Was he not in the boat during the storm? Was he not in the ship? Master, carest thou not that we perish? Huh? <laughs> As he wakes up. What? Wasn't bothered a bit, was he? Yeah. You've heard this before. God, God, God may not take you out of your storm. He may not. But if you will draw close to Him, He will get in it with you. Yeah. Bill, Dad didn't understand that. Job didn't understand that. Their view of God was, was jaded and limited. And it was, in, it was incomplete. But we can, with the Lord Jesus, go through all of our trials with all of the unknowing aspects of what God is doing and be completely confident because of our relationship with Christ. Yeah. You say, well, I'm in a time of trial. I mean, how do you want me to get closer to Jesus? Go to church. Don't go away from church. <laughs> yeah. Open your Bible. Don't close your Bible. Right? Get in your prayer closet. Don't walk away from it. Jesus said, abide in me. Right? Abide in me. How do we abide in Christ? Just stay in His Word. Stay where He's being preached. Stay where He's being taught. Open your Bible. Get in prayer. Yeah. Oh, this, is how, this is how we go through trials in our life. This is what makes sense of what's going on. This is how we go through with a right view of who God is and what He's doing. We go through it with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you're going through something tonight, I don't, I don't know, 
Some people go through things and some, most everybody will never know about it. But if you're going through something tonight, find Christ. And it, it, it will fix some of the weird ideas you have of what God's doing to you. Because I, listen to me, He's not doing things to you. They're always for you and for Himself. Father, I'm thankful that we are, can look back from where we are today. Some of the viewpoints that we see here of their view of you, Bildad's view of you, Job's view of you, their incomplete view of who you are as it, as it relates to our relationship with you. We can look back and see these uh, deficiencies here in their understanding in times of trial and tribulation. And even in this day and age, God, I know that we can come up and charge you foolishly with some really unbiblical things of blame and finger pointing at what you're doing in our life. And God, we realize tonight that they didn't have that relationship with you through the Lord Jesus Christ like we do. And I'm thankful tonight as Job lamented of the fact that there was no daysman who could intercede between him and you, that tonight we have that daysman, that high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we yet without sin. And Lord, I'm thankful that we can go to it through any trial in our life and get closer to the Lord Jesus Christ and know that the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ will bring us through anything that comes in our life. And though we may not fully understand it all, we are fully aware of the one who died for us and who loves us, who is close to us. And we can have full confidence, God, that you have everything planned for our good. God, for your glory. So, Father, would you help us to rest in that tonight? There may be some going through trials tonight. I don't know. And they just need to rest in the Lord Jesus tonight. He said, my burden is easy, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Come unto me, all you that weary and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Lord, would you help us rest in you tonight? In Jesus' name. Let's stand tonight.